Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Revelation 13. Who is the Antichrist? Have you ever heard people have a conversation about that, wondering who it might be that becomes this figure that we hear about in the Bible, commonly referred to as the Antichrist? Or what about the mark of the beast? What is the mark of the beast? Have you ever seen some new technology come out, even like credit cards, and hear people say, oh, wow, look at that. that that's going to be used in the mark of the beast. Well, Frankly, I think a lot of those discussions are based on speculation, things that we really just don't know. But as we look at a passage today that I think highlights this figure of the Antichrist and mentions the mark of the beast, uh, we are going to see one thing that the Bible makes clear is uh, part of the point of why God is telling us what he is telling us here. And that's something as you read the Bible anywhere. You want to be looking for statements that help us understand why is this here? Because sometimes we're looking at a text and there's all kinds of details in it, um, but we want to be wondering, well, what, what is the significance of the details, but why are they here? Why is God telling us this? And there's one statement today uh, that will really highlight, and that's what we'll spend most of our time uh, thinking about today. So we're looking at Revelation 13, and Revelation 13 is going to tell us about two beasts, a beast that comes out of the sea and a beast that rises out of the earth. And I think in general, these beasts, uh, it should ring a bell for us if you've read the whole Bible. There's some similarities here to the kinds of images and languages that are often used in the book of Daniel, where some of these beasts and, and figures, they describe kingdoms, and sometimes even they describe uh, specific world leaders that will arise after Daniel is written. And I think that's what we see here with the first beast really being a description of the figure that is commonly referred to as the Antichrist, or we see him referred to as the man of lawlessness earlier in the New Testament. And it doesn't use the word Antichrist here, but when people use that word, this is the figure, this first beast is the figure that they are referring to. And it speaks of him as a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns and seven heads, with 10 diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And so again, a lot of those details there with the different kinds of animals and the numbers, it's very similar to the kinds of images that we see in the book of Daniel. But this beast seems to have a clear connection with the dragon, who clearly is the devil and Satan. It says, and to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One writer said, it seems that this antichrist, this first beast, basically makes the deal with the devil that the devil offered Jesus. Hey, you worship me and I'll give you everything. Because this beast seems to take control, really, of 
uh, the world. And it speaks of one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. So we think of Jesus Christ risen. He he rose from the dead. I think it's very possible that the correct interpretation of that would be that there's some kind of really faux resurrection that uh, this figure experiences. And the whole world marvels and they worship the dragon and they worship the beast. So this world leader becomes a figure of worship. But this beast becomes blasphemous and is allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. So there's that figure again. Three and a half years keeps coming up again and again. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. And I think some of this connects with what we see elsewhere in scripture, this idea of uh, the abomination of desolation and uh, this figure desecrating the temple. And also there's immense persecution that happens under this figure. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. And then we see at the end of verse 10, Something that I think we need to draw out is, well, look, God is highlighting why he's telling us what he is telling us. It says, here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Um, This is a good time for us to apply what we've talked about some in Revelation, the reverse tan method, where usually we're looking at things that have already happened and saying, well, what's happening then? What are the always principles and how do we apply that now? Here, it's a little different because we're looking forward, I think, to some time in the future, but still we can see some always principles that should apply to us now. And here we see, here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. And while the focus of the events of this may be on the future and saints that will be on the earth during this time of tribulation, what is always true is people who are following God need endurance and they need faith. We'll come back to that in a moment. But then we see the second beast. Sometimes you'll hear people refer to this second beast as the false prophet. That during this time, that there's one figure, the Antichrist, who seems to be more of a political figure and an object of worship. But this second beast seems to be more of a a religious uh, figure pointing people really towards uh, the first beast. And it says it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence. I've heard some people refer to the second beast as the Antichrist's prime minister, uh, that he is serving uh, the, the first beast, and he makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. So he is pointing people towards this first beast and even has the ability to perform signs and miracles, it says, and even giving breath to an image of the beast. Pretty interesting stuff here. But then it ends with this call for the mark of the beast. And it's a mark that both rich and poor, both free and slave to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And that's where I think this would have been possible back in the times of 
the Bible. There would have been a way to mark people on the hand or the forehead to be able to buy and sell. We don't need uh, credit card technology or some kind of biotech um, to make this happen. This is something that could have happened. Are there ways that new technology may be utilized with this? Uh, Of course, but I don't think you ever need to be worried, oh, this new technology, I might unwittingly take the mark of the beast. No, I don't think anybody is mistakenly or unwittingly taking the mark of the beast because this mark is clearly connected to him, the name of the beast or the number of its name. Uh, This is some kind of, it would seem, mark of allegiance to the beast uh, who is clearly setting himself up as God, something that uh, no Nobody that's following Christ is going to do. And it says the number of a man and his number is 666. So you hear that number connected really to bad things. And now you can see a little bit of why. But you do get a a sense here that Christians will be very opposed during this time. Uh, The first beast, he is making war against the saints. There is now economic pressure placed on people who will not follow the beast. And that's where we bring it back to our main idea for the day. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. You may not be someone who's alive during the tribulation, but you will need endurance and you will need faith. Because there are ways, we think of John 2, that there is ways the spirit of Antichrist is already among us. And there's it's right now at work in ideas that are rejecting Christ, that are opposed to Christ, people that deny that Jesus is the Christ. And there's ways right now that that will bring pressure on Christians, that, that Christians will be outcasts, that Christians will suffer economic difficulty if they are going to be faithful to Christ and not give in to the pressure of the world. And so we need endurance and we need faith. So what we see here in these details about things I believe that are yet to come should inform our faith and things that you and I need today, like endurance and faith. And if you've been reading through the New Testament, you have seen those ideas come up again and again. Think of Hebrews 12, let us run with endurance. I think one of the good things about this chapter is just a reminder, Christians in any age will face opposition. The Christian life will require endurance. And frankly, one thing I think that's important for endurance is expectation. When you are running a race, one of the things that helps you keep going is you know this will be an endurance race. I need to prepare my mind for a long and grueling race. We as Christians need to prepare our minds that we are running a race that will require endurance and strength to pass the test. And also we need faith. We do not walk by what we can see. We walk by faith in God. And we will need to look past what we see when it seems that the whole world is united against God. And we're going to see that, I think, in its fullest sense in that time of tribulation. But until then, there will be moments where it feels like, man, the whole world is united against God and opposed to me because I'm one of his people. Well, that's where we need to have faith in God and say, well, I'm not going to live off of what I can see and the opposition that I can see. I am going to live for God. So as we think about these two beasts and we think about some of these conversations that that come up about the Antichrist or the mark of the beast, 
let's remember what the text said as we read this chapter, that this should be a reminder and a call for us for endurance and faith. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.